So this morning, I'm preaching a message that we actually started last week entitled, Who I Am in Christ. And my, my subtitle is The Consequences of Christmas, okay? Christmas isn't just good food and, you know, some, some gifts and some good time with family or friends. The consequences of Christmas ring into eternity. They are phenomenal. And so I want to just highlight this, the consequences of Christmas. And so last week we looked at the first aspect and, and there, there are three categories that I want to look at. And the first sort of broad category of, of this is the whole area of that in Christ I am accepted. And we've got it on the slide. In Christ I'm accepted. That means to be received or embraced with favor. And the, the reality is that rejection is something that so many people experience incredible pain. There are people all over this planet that as we speak are, are literally experience pain you know the, 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 the saying sticks and stones can break my bones but words will never harm me you know that is one of the biggest lies I know because I can hit you with a rod oh no let me not say me somebody could hit you with a rod okay Judas just now they said the pastor hit somebody with a rod you know somebody could hit you with a rod and it have no impact on your soul but somebody could say something about you or to you, something nasty, and you'll carry it with you for years. And rejection is a wound that is festering in people across the planet today. And so, you know, this message I spoke last week, and therefore we renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. People get into all kinds of messes looking for love, looking for love in the wrong places, the wrong, wrong way, etc. People are trying to silence the pain of rejection. And so we get this in Christ, folks. So what a better message. What better balm for your soul could you get under a Christmas tree if you did the Christmas tree thing? I know some people don't. And some people will right now want to switch off the video because I mentioned a Christmas tree, okay? Um, but let me tell you, the point is this. What we get in Christ is probably the best news you hear all year long. And so last week we looked at this, and it's all online, you can look at it. We looked at where God says that I am God's child, I am Christ's friend, I have been justified, I'm united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price, I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I'm a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been forgiven of all my sins. And I am complete in Christ. I mean, those 10 or 12, I didn't even count how many points, are life-changing. They, they are healing balm to the soul that has been rejected. I want to encourage you, meditate on them. Each one of them have the scripture references are given there. And we'll actually, we'll, we'll broadcast them, but they're on all the social media places that we do stuff. Folks, 
I don't know which of these jump out at you. I want to submit to you, why don't you every day just make these declarations? And if there's one that tomorrow morning jumps out of you, jump into that scripture, read the scripture, look at different translations, declare it over your life. Allow the healing balm of the Holy Spirit to, to heal your soul. So last week we looked at being accepted in Christ, but this week, folks, I know you've been waiting. I can see you sitting on the edge of your chair. It's like, what are we doing this week? What are we doing? This is what we're doing this week. There we go. I, in Christ, I am secure. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we can be secure. And this is such a big topic because the reality, insecurity is another pandemic. Let me tell you, bigger than COVID-19, and Cynthia, can we just go there? It's a, bigger, it's a bigger pandemic than COVID could ever be, is the pandemic of insecurity. What is insecurity? Insecurity is feeling inadequate, uncertain in your soul. It is in your being feeling, I don't have enough, I'm, I'm inadequate, I'm, I'm just... Folks, it is a pandemic across the world. There are life coaches that are making millions, millions of smackaroos and buckaroos and rands and dollars and whatever you, just trying to minister to people's insecurity. And we get it in Jesus. Folks, this stuff you would pay a life coach zillions of bucks for, okay? It's free in Jesus. And folks, think of all the other places that people are insecure. I don't want to minimize how much there are people that are insecure or fear health issues. There are people that are paying millions of dollars and rands just to try and deal with medical issues. And they are popping pills and seeing medical professionals left, right and center. And psychologists and everybody just because of health, medical health issues. I mean, the tragic story, if you heard the story of Michael Jackson. I mean, he could do music and dance like a machine. But he was paranoid about health issues. He was fearful of germs like you won't believe. If you read his life story, I mean, he, he literally was in self-isolation for years because he was paranoid about germs. He had deep insecurities like you and I wouldn't be able to fathom. Now, I want to submit to you that his insecurities about germs was rooted in insecurities in his soul about who he was. His, he had a deep, deep identity crisis. Now, some of you Michael Jackson fans, please forgive me, okay? But I want to submit to you, anybody who exhibits unhealthy insecurities in medical areas, how about just physical security about, for example, your property? I mean, there are some people that have a bunch of keys like this because there are like 15 locks on their front door because they are paranoid that somebody will break in and steal their stuff. And I have, I'm telling you, I don't minimize this because in South Africa today, it's a reality for many South Africans. Many South Africans are wanting to go elsewhere to try and deal with the deep insecurity they feel because of the reality of break-ins and burglaries and thefts and muggings and and all that stuff, which is a reality. But I again want to submit to you, if you deal with security issues in your own soul, insecurity issues in your own soul, it'll make a big difference on how many locks you put in your front door at night. I'm not saying don't lock your front door. I'm not saying don't have an alarm or alarm company. or anything. I'm not saying that. 
But sometimes that is an outward expression of being insecure in our souls. And I'm saying in Christ, Jesus deals with this stuff. Jesus makes us secure in our souls so we don't lie awake at night thinking, should I buy another lock for my front door? Etc. I want to look at, basically, and I was, I was doing a bit of research about insecurity. Four main areas that people experience insecurity. For example, in relationships. Huge, huge. I was speaking to somebody a little while ago who was kind of, kind of you know, getting into a relationship and exploring, you know, you know, this relationship thing. And they were just struck by how insecure they felt about, you know, does she like me? Doesn't she like me? You know, and you're trying to read these signs, you know. Look, pastor, you know, she messaged me this. Do, do you think it means this? Or do you know, could it mean this? Or, you know, is this a positive sign or not, you know? And it's been three hours since the last message, you know. Is that good or bad? It's now four hours. Oh, my goodness, you know. So relationships can make you hectically insecure, okay. And so, folks, again, I want to submit to you. Christ can make us secure inside of us. And so if she hasn't messaged you in three hours, you don't lose it, okay? How about in the area of finances or career? Huge. This last year with everything that happened, with all the looting and businesses closing and people losing their jobs, it has caused huge insecurity. And I don't want to minimize the fact if you've been retrenched. But folks, I want to submit to you, if you are secure in Christ, it's going to cause your faith to rise that God has something for you. He's got a better job for you, and you just got to find that, that door that's, get, that's going to open for you. Amen. How about the area of body image? Huge. You know, body shaming is, a, I mean, it's just, you can't pick up a modern magazine, you know, today that doesn't talk about this kind of stuff. But I want to submit to you, folks. The most beautiful people on the planet sometimes are the most insecure about their physical looks. I mean, the stories abound about beautiful people, you know, models, who you would think are so secure in their physical looks, but yet would have a shopping list of things they want to give to a plastic surgeon to fix up this part of the ear and that nose and this, you know, this eyebrow and I don't know what. And they constantly think of, just, you know, if I could just get this or, you know, who, let's just, let's leave the rest of the body out of it. You know, the places people want plastic surgeons to touch them up to get the perfect body. And they think if we have the perfect body, I will be insecure in my soul. No, you won't. I want to submit to you. This is life changing. If you are secure in your soul, you're going to be okay with the fact that, you know, your one ear is higher than the other ear. And I just want to tell you, none of us have perfect level ears. Now all of you want to go and look in a mirror and figure out, is my left ear higher than my right ear? And stop looking at me like that and trying to figure it out. I'm going to, sit still. I'm going to preach like this so you can't figure it out, okay? Yes, my one ear is higher than my other ear, and so is yours, okay? We aren't perfect, and we don't need a plastic surgeon to sort that out. Amen. And my wife still loves me with my ears that aren't level, okay? But most importantly, Jesus does, and I'm secure in my soul. I'm not thinking, when can I go to the plastic urgent to straighten out my, my surgeon to straighten out my ears? So it's huge, it's huge. And then socially, folks, being accepted in all kinds of groups. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not in high school anymore. 
walking with my kids in terms of this group and that clique and no, those girls, no, no, I, I don't feel in with those girls, so I'm sitting with those, these girls now and those girls, they're into this, but I'm not into that. Oh my goodness, it is exhausting being a teenager, okay? You have to have young, be young and have lots of energy. But I want to submit to you again, if you are secure in your soul, in your being, in your identity, if you're secure regarding who God has made you to be, who He's called you to be, and the fact that He loves you the way He's made you to be, it is life-changing in terms of your social be uh, interactions, the people you relate to. Suddenly it doesn't matter, and you're not freaked out about how she greeted you and she didn't greet you, and you know, when will she message me again? It makes a huge difference. These are huge areas in people's lives. We are secure in Christ. It has a big impact in all those areas. Amen. I want to just highlight, this is what it looks like if you are insecure inside of you, in your soul. This is what it looks like, a low self-esteem. So many people are trying to externally by what they dress and I need this kind of a watch and you know these kind of earrings and you know to try to dress up the fact that they have a low self-esteem. Next one, perfectionism. Do you know that some of the highest achievers... The people that are in the news are some of the most insecure people on the planet. The reason they are such high achievers is because they are trying to silence the screaming voices in their soul that they are not enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not adequate, and they are trying to achieve and trying to perform to try and silence the deep insecurity in their soul. It is the biggest irony. You would think those people are the most secure, the most confident, and it's not true. How about self-isolation? Now, COVID has not helped us in this area. But many, many people, you know, I just want to submit to you, when they're not answering your messages, you know, we've seen it in church. People stop coming to church, you know, and, or they come less frequently and they just... It is because of deep insecurities. Anxiety. That's a no-brainer. People who are insecure have high levels of anxiety. And sometimes we want to deal with anxiety, the things that are causing us stress. And it's not that. Deal with your identity issues. Deal with, with, with your heart issues. How about poor performance? This is actually the opposite of perfectionism. Two people can experience something that impacts their soul and makes them feel insecure. One person goes to overdrive to try and prove that I'm better than what you said and, and what you said is wrong and they, they, you know, they go into this performance thing and the other person just, you know, the wind is taken out of their sails and they just, they, they, they are sick, they're clocking in sick from work and they're just at work and they can't perform and they just, the life has been knocked out of them. So it's huge. How about depression? Another probably obvious one. I was actually speaking to One, and she is you know, a trained psychologist. Hi, One, in Botswana somewhere. Um, and, and she's actually done a lot of research on depression. And she said it is so actually endemic in South Africa. She said, she said so many people in South Africa, where literally there's, certain, there's some societies where depression is just so normal that that people don't even want to identify it as a condition because this is what she said. She said she's actually, she's trained nurses to identify depression in patients. But the nurses 
don't want to identify it in the patients because they have the exact same symptoms. They'd, be, they'd literally be identifying themselves and it's better to walk in denial about your situation than face it and have to deal with it and then not know how to deal with it. So it's just huge. Folks, all of this stuff, that stuff on the... You, you could go to a life coach, a psychologist, you could go wherever. In Christ you get it all. This, these are the benefits of Christmas. Amen. You thought it's just some, some nice, nice food on, 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 on the 25th. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay. So we are going to look at what I'm going to do. So my list, I've again got 10 or 12 points for today. I, I have concluded that I cannot get through this list in one message. But that's awesome because you have a Holy Spirit and you now will have the Word of God. And so you can dig into this yourself and allow Holy Spirit to minister security to your soul. I've literally just picked up on three of these points and we're going to look at the scriptures on three of them. So, so let's, just, let's just read through the list. So firstly I want to say that if we are secure in Christ, we are safe, protected and unafraid. It also means that we therefore renounce the lie that I'm insecure, unprotected or alone. Folks, if you're in Christ, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you'll never be alone again. You are not unprotected, you are protected, and you can never walk with the same levels of insecurity as you did before. So this is so powerful. I spoke last week. Renounce literally means to disagree with something. It's a powerful prayer. It's a powerful prayer to renounce insecurity. Okay, so let's just look at this list, and then we will... I'll pick up on some of them. So firstly, God says, I am free from condemnation. Romans 8, we'll look at that one. I am assured that all things work together for good. It's life-changing truth. Romans 8, 28, we'll look at that one as well. I am free from all condemning charges against me. Romans 8, 31. I cannot be separated from the love of God. Romans 8.35. Have you noticed Romans 8 has quite a good thing, quite a lot going here for our, for our identity and insecurity issues. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God from 2 Corinthians. Next slide. I'm confident that, God, that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. Or brought to completion, some translations say. Philippians 1.6. I'm a citizen of heaven. My goodness, if that doesn't sort out some security issues. Philippians 3.20. I'm hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3. I have been given... I have no, Sorry, oh my goodness. <laughs> You've got to say not in this verse, okay? <laughs> not is an important word, Okay. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control or sound mind. Uh, some translations say it is a good rendition of the original Greek. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need from Hebrews 4. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Folks, these truths minister security 
in the areas that the enemy has tried to bring insecurity into our souls. We need to get this word right down there where we've had lies around inside of us for years saying, you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, you are inadequate, you, you're a failure, you're a loser, you'll never amount to anything, just give up, stop trying, you know, all those things. Folks, these truths will minister life to the lies of the enemy. So I said, I'm going to just look at three of them. Let's go. The first one, I'm free from condemnation, Romans 8 verse 1 to 2. And let's read the verse. So we're reading from the Passion. It says, the whole verse, so now the case is closed. I wish I had a gavel here. You know those things those judges have? I want to whack it on the pulpit. Now the case is closed because it's literally a legal, a legal uh, statement he's making here. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Folks, this literally is a legal statement. I can see in the spirit, I can see the Apostle Paul like standing with a gavel, you know those judges wooden hammer, whacking and saying, guys, now listen. This chapter 8 is just so powerful of Romans. And he says there, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation. Folks, condemnation is a major source of insecurity for many, many people. What is condemnation? A condemned person literally has a judgment of guilt pronounced against them. And that judgment, just think of literally a, 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 a condemnation. When a judge in a court of law pronounces, makes a pronouncement that somebody's guilty, he whacks the gavel and he says, I pronounce, you know, Mr. whatever, Tabiso over here, I pronounce him guilty for X, Y, and Z. That is a judgment of condemnation. And then the judge would proceed to declare, I sentence you to five years in jail, whatever the, the judgment is. What Paul is saying, there is no condemnation. Now, I want to say this. You know, the enemy specializes in condemnation. You know, he's so sneaky. There are demonic spirits that will come and sneak up on you and tempt you to do something that, that obviously by any standard you and I know is not God's way for us to live. And so he gets us to cross the line. And I'm not going to use examples. I don't want anybody to be condemned. So firstly, there's a demonic assault on your life to cross a line that you know is not good for you, not good for, for anybody. You cross the line. But then I believe there are demonic forces of darkness that attack you that are even more destructive than the demonic forces that will get you to cross the line that come and say, how could you? You call yourself a Christian. You were in church on Sunday. You want to go to church on Sunday. You can't go to church on Sunday. How could you put your big toe in church? Look what you did. The voices of condemnation are reality. Condemnation, guilt, and shame. Folks, but in Jesus, all those voices get silenced. 
Because if we come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me, I crossed the line, forgive me, He cleanses us, the Bible says, of all unrighteousness. We looked at that last week. I gave you that illustration. But I want to say this. You know, the reality is that the, if we cross the line, the Holy Spirit does convict us. But condemnation and conviction are, are poles apart. This is the difference. Let me explain the difference. When there's a demonic voice of condemnation, it drives you away from God. It's like you've got to fix yourself up. Or you, you could never come into His presence. You can't go to church on Sunday. Who do you think you are? It drives you away from God. Conviction drives you and calls you back to God. It's like, you don't mean to live like that. That's, that's not the real you. Of course your father loves you. He's longing for you. Remember the story of the, of the, the prodigal son? The father's longing for you to come back. That's the Holy Spirit's work of conviction. He's like, I'm longing for you to come back to me. And so conviction is a reality. Conviction draws you back to God. Condemnation says, run away, never come back. God's not interested in you. You're a hopeless cause. You'll never come right. All those hopeless voices which just feed more into our insecurity. So folks, we've got a warfare against condemnation, guilt, and shame. That's not of God. I want to say this about, it says there, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation. It's so interesting that in the Passion translation, he uses that word accusing voice. How many of you remember the scripture where it says that the enemy, the devil, is the accuser of the brethren? If you're feeling accused, like it's literally, I mean, imagine there's a bright light shining on you <laughs> and there are people accusing you of doing something wrong. That's kind of like, you know, like you're being interrogated you know, in, those, in the movies, you know, when they interrogate somebody and they put a bright light on them and there are people in the shadows behind saying, did you do this? How could you? Etc. Folks, that is the accuser of the brethren, the enemy. It's one of the great spiritual attacks that you and I will undergo in life. One of the great spiritual attacks is accusation and the accusation of condemnation. Folks, in Jesus, what does it say? So now the case is closed. Kaboom. Ouch. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Let's look at the next one. Folks, I trust that impacts your soul. I trust that sets you free. The next one. I am assured that all things work together for good. So this is just a couple of verses on in chapter 8 of Romans. All things work together for good. Folks, all things. You and I have been through some things in the last two years. You and I have been through some things in the last 10, 20, 30 years. Folks, the Bible doesn't say some things work together for the good, but you know there's some things that really God, that, 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 some things even God can't use to bring good out of. The Bible doesn't say that. The enemy would love to say, you know, that thing that you went through, that was such a disaster, that was such a wipeout, not even God can work good out of that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Folks, the biggest God specializes in sorting and bring good out of the biggest wipeouts that you and I can fathom. Yeah. And I actually, actually I'm going to share a story with you. 
Um, and the story just so impacted my heart. But let's just read the scripture from Romans. No, let's go to the story. I, can, I just thought you guys like stories. You, you look like the story listening type of people. Amen? So you are so keen to listen to the story. Where is my story? There we go. Thank you, Jen. Okay, I'll tell the story for you. Anybody else like a story? Okay. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So I'm sharing a story with you about a lazy a lady called Lisa Beamer. And I, uh, 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 John Piper shared the story in a message that he was preaching literally on this topic of how God works all things for the good of those who love him. And he tells the story of Lisa Beamer. Now, 9-11, on the 9th of September, 2001, we all know what happens. There were terrorists that hijacked four planes in America. Two of them flew into the, the Twin Towers, well, one of the twin or two of the Twin Towers, and they collapsed, and I think over 4,000 people were killed. Um, so there were two of the planes. The other plane was hijacked and flew into the Pentagon, which is the military headquarters of America, flew into the side of the Pentagon, and a whole lot of people were killed. The fourth plane, Flight 93, United Airlines Flight 93, Lisa Beamer's husband was the pilot of that plane. Yeah. What happened that day is there were four hijackers. They managed to force their way into the cockpit and they hijacked the plane. But what happened with Flight 93, there was a movie made on it, is that the passengers, passengers and the crew fought, fought back. They got reports on their cell phones that planes had flown into the Twin Towers and that a plane had flown into the Pentagon. And yeah, they're on the plane. I mean, how do you feel? We've just been hijacked. And on the news, they're getting, they're getting messages on their phones about this. And they realize, oh my goodness, this is what's happening. And the, they managed to fight back and the plane crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. Every single person on the plane was killed. Lisa Beamer's husband was killed in that fight back. To this day, we don't know what happened exactly, but Lisa Beamer's voice, husband's voice, is the last voice that's heard on, on the voice recording of that flight. And he's heard to be saying, Okay, guys, let it roll. Let it roll. And seconds later, the plane crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. The plane was just 20 minutes away from its intended target, which was Capitol Hill, which is the U.S. government building. You know that big white building with a big white dome? You often see it on TV. It is the National Parliament building. That plane was 20 minutes away from smashing into the Capitol in their, their, their parliament building and, and what, an, what, a, what an impact it would have had on America that Lisa Beamer's da husband, Bob, was part of the crew and the passengers that fought back and laid their lives down for the sake of a greater good. Lisa Beamer, who is she? She's an amazing Christian. In that first year after 9-11, she was interviewed by Larry King. Now, I don't know how many of you lived around that time. I remember Larry King well. He was a CNN 
a news reporter, and he did these interviews that were always very piercing. I think he interviewed Madiba at one stage, etc. Well-known, well-known newsman. He interviewed in that first year after the after the crash. He interviewed Lisa Beamer eleven times on national TV. Why did he interview her so much? Who is this girl? Who is this woman? Who is this wife? Who is this mother? On that day when her husband said, "All right, let it roll." We don't know what happened in the cockpit and how they did and how they fought back, but the plane crashed. And he died as a husband to three small young children and a young wife by the name of Lisa. And I want to read to you about Lisa. In, in interviews, she said this, Knowing that he loves me and can see the world from start to finish helps me to say it's okay. This is her talking after her husband dies. She's got three little kids left to fend for herself. She said, if we believe wholeheartedly each moment that our destiny rests in the hands of Jesus Christ, the one with ultimate love and with ultimate power, what do we have to be concerned about? Folks, this is a woman who's lost her husband and having three little children. Of course, humanity clouds this truth many times, but hanging on to glimpses of it keeps everything in perspective. She's talking about the love and the power of God. She said, My faith wasn't ever rooted in governments or religion or tall buildings, or frail people. She said, my faith has always been rooted in God. She said, we also aren't privy to the perspectives that God has. And we shouldn't claim to know better than He does what should happen and what shouldn't. Faith means that regardless of circumstances, we take Him at His word that He loves us and will bring us to a good result. What scripture are we looking? He works good out of all things. This is what she's saying. And will bring us to a good result if we just trust and if we will obey Him. Obviously, the ramifications of this understanding have been tremendous for me since 9-11. She said, But I trust that He's true to His promise in Romans 8, verse 28, we know that all things God works for the good of those who love Him. My only responsibility is to love God. He'll work out the rest. She wrote the scripture when she signed her name. The scripture she wrote was Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Because this is a woman who is living Romans 8 verse 28. And, and I want to just take, take you a little bit back in Lisa's life. How come? How come God took... Nobody knew Lisa Beamer. She was a wife of some airline pilot before 9-11. How come God took her and put her on national news 11 times? Let me tell you a little bit more about her story. 
When she was 15, her dad suddenly developed an aneurysm, went to hospital, the next day he was dead. She was 15, folks. She said, and, and in this article that I read, she said it was some of the, for five years she wrestled with God. For five years she wrestled with God about taking, about her dad dying so quickly. For five years she was a teenager wrestling with the loss of her father. A couple years later, the Lord takes this girl who knew Lisa Beamer, the 15-year-old, or 16-year-old, or 17-year-old? A couple of years later, when her husband dies in a heroic fashion, she's suddenly on national news speaking to the nation 11 times. And folks, you know where she was talking from? She was speaking from her five years of darkness, processing the death of her father as a, as a 15, 16, 17-year-old teenage girl. What she got from God, what she learned about the goodness of God, came out a couple of years later, and Larry King, Larry King, his show was Larry King Live. I want to call him Larry King Live. Larry King invited her 11 times back onto his show to speak to the nation. She had a message for the nation. The truth that God works good out of all things. Folks, who would have said that losing your dad at 15 would have any benefit to anybody. I mean, when you're 15, how do you tell a 15-year-old that's just lost their dad, God will work good out of this? We look back, we just had the 20-year anniversary of, of 9-11. Here I am, 20 years actually after the event, and we're still telling the story of how God worked good out of Lisa Beamer's life and the fact that she lost her dad at the age of 15. I mean, it's a tragedy losing your dad at the age of 15, but God worked good out of it. He, he took her out of obscurity, put on national TV, and allowed her to minister to the nation during that year. I'll read some more of what she said. She said, September 11 has shown me the reality of eternity in a dynamic way these past few months. When I'm overwhelmed with sadness at what I've lost in this life, he's quick to give me his eternal perspective. Lisa... This life is just a blip on the radar screen compared to your future with me in heaven. He says, the best thing that you can imagine on earth is garbage compared to what awaits you. What an eternal perspective. Folks, you know, sometimes that eternal perspective only comes in times like that. And I want to submit to you, the last two years, how many of you said... I need an eternal perspective. I need an eternal perspective. Lisa said, He knows that I'm hurting and that I'm in need right now. Every day He provides encouragement and resources just for me. Little things show me that He is with me. A scripture with just the words I need to hear. A call from a friend when I'm feeling really lonely. Help with a task that I just can't do by myself. Or a hug and a, I love you mommy from, from one of my children. <laughs> God's love is truly sufficient to meet any need that I have. Lisa said the picture 
the church as the hands and the feet of Jesus with each person having a special gift has been well portrayed to me these last few months. In the beginning it was immediate and practical. I needed meals, I needed childcare, I needed people to manage the phone calls and my email. But now that we're out of the crisis mode, it's helped to rebuild my life that I need. I need counseling, I need encouragement, I need prayer. Amazing thing that happened with Lisa because she became a national hero and was a national TV. People just wanted to help. You know, compassion was unlocked in the hearts of many, many folks in America. And people sent money. They knew that she stayed in New Jersey, and this, this, this happens in America, folks. People put money in envelopes and dropped it to Lisa Beamer in New Jersey. Folks, New Jersey is a state like the size of KZN. Can you imagine somebody putting money in an envelope addressed to Ndukozo Madladla KZN and it arriving at a front door? Anyway, it did with Lisa Beamer. And it obviously, and, and the money, but there was, the money was overwhelming. You know what Lisa did? She said, I didn't feel comfortable keeping all of this for ourselves when there were so many unknown families who should also share in it. My family and I mourned the loss of my husband deeply that day, and we still do. But because we have a hope in the Lord, we know beyond a doubt that one day we will see Todd again. I hurt for the people who don't have that same hope, and I pray that they will see something in our family that will encourage them to trust the Lord. And what she did, she started a fund a trust fund in the name of her husband and she put all the money in there and that money was to go to children who'd lost parents in the 9-11 disasters amazing woman anyway um, you can read more and more about Lisa Beamer folks there's a woman who's testifying to the nation of how God is going to work wood good out of a total disaster and she lived it, and she spoke it, and she testified it. Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. And, I, and I'm putting 29 as well because I want you to see what 29 says. You see, God works good in line with His purposes for the planet. And His purpose that you and I become more like Jesus in it all. And it ties in so beautifully. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan. Look at this plan of bringing good into our lives. He brings good into our lives in the context of a, of a, of a grand plan. For we are His lovers called to fulfill His desire, designed purpose. Verse 29. For He knew all about us before we were born. And He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. I want to submit to you, it was because Lisa Bima was such a beautiful example of Jesus that she was continually invited back onto that TV show. Yeah. This means, the Bible says, the Son is the oldest amongst a vast family of brothers and sisters. 
who will become just like him. Folks, I want to submit to you the good that Jesus is working in you and me is a good that causes us to look more like him. And you know, that has been such a delight. Going through some stuff, and we've all been through stuff, I've often said, Lord, I don't mind that this has happened as long as this brings you glory and I can become more like you. I'm not always saying that in the moment, you know, when you get that call and you hear X, Y, Z. But give me some time and I process with the Lord and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm okay as long as you get the glory and I get to look more like you through this, that's okay. So let's look at the next point. The next point in our list of declarations is this one. I cannot be separated from the love of God. And there are four verses here. It's verse 35 to 39, and it's going to be on the next screen, so we're going to read this. You cannot be separated from the love of God. And I, I want to say this about the love of God. You know, I have, I've read these verses, and I remember when I, when I first kind of discovered these verses uh, quite a few years ago. I said, why is Paul writing about we cannot be separated from the love of God? Why doesn't he rather just say we can't be separated from his presence? And I was like, this is the reality. Firstly, when you understand that, that God is omnipresent. He is actually everywhere. But knowing how He is present with you makes a big difference. How many of you know, you can have somebody next to you, but their attitude towards you stinks. They don't like you. I mean, you often would end up, you know, whatever, in a meeting with somebody who you know, Hey man, I just, you know, this, me and this person, we're not on the same page. You know, I've heard some of the things they've said about me and, oh well, okay, we're sitting next to each other. So you're sitting in somebody's presence, but you know, man, they are not for you, they're against you or whatever. And I was like, I love the fact that Paul's focus here is that he is with us, absolutely, because he's omnipresent. But his demeanor, his attitude, the way that he's with us is love. And folks, I mean, love can be sliced and diced in so many ways. But, you know, the simplest thing is, if you love somebody, you are for them. You are there for them. They are valuable to you. They are precious to you. You care about them. Folks, that is God's attitude towards you. I'm like so delighted. That that attitude, nothing can separate me about that amazing way, that demeanor that God is towards me and to it. That nothing can separate. That attitude, I'm for you, my son. I'm there for you. I'm shouting for you. I'm cheering for you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm there for you. That attitude never changes. And so let's read this. Let's read. It's the Passion Translation again. I love it. Let's read these, and it's, it's, I had to put it on three slides, it's just so much. So Cynthia, you're just going to track with us and you can follow on the slides. So he starts with a rhetorical question. Remember, a rhetorical question is, is a truth that you put in question form to get somebody's attention. You're not actually looking for an answer. The question is stating the truth, okay? And he says, and, and in Romans, I think in Romans uh, chapter 8, there are five different questions that he asks in the same format to make a point. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Who? I mean, he's literally saying, just can you show me anyone? 
Absolutely no one! Exclamation mark. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. Whew. Folks, do you see that list? Troubles, pressures, problems. What about persecutions and deprivations and dangers and death threats? No, they are all impotent. Impotent means powerless to hinder omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful love. I just love it. Next slide, verse 37. Yet even in the midst of all these things, and Paul lists his struggles, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and has demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Love is our glorious victory over everything. He's saying in all the stuff we're going through, knowing that we have a God who's for us, this is our victory. I'm going to pause there before we read on the last two verses and share a little story I heard years ago. And the person who was speaking was trying to illustrate what does it mean to be, the Bible says, more than a conqueror. What is it? I mean, a conqueror is victorious. What's more than a conqueror? And he shared the story. It's, just, it's a story that's always stuck with me. So, a conqueror would somebody, picture in Roman times, there's a general who goes to battle against some pagan nation, or pagan to the Romans, that is, and he conquers them, and he comes back, and he's victorious. So, he's the conqueror. So, so imagine that conqueror, that Roman, uh, Roman general, and he has got some booty, you know, uh, uh, what? Um, treasure. And he's got a treasure chest full of... Full of um, you know, gold and whatever, and he has, and he comes home. And he comes home, and he comes in the front door, and he puts this treasure chest of all the jewels and silver from the foreign lands, and he puts it there in the, you know, in the, in the entrance foyer, you know, and his wife comes down, and he says, Honey, look at my treasure. And, and the, 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 the wife comes and she says, thank you so much, my darling. And she picks up the treasure chest and she takes it off to her room. And she, you know, she takes all the treasure. The person speaking says, that general who walks into his house with that treasure chest, he is the conqueror. But when the wife takes the treasure chest and takes it into her room, she's more than a conqueror. <laughs> she takes the treasure. But, but you know, what is that little story illustrating? You know? The wife didn't go to battle. She didn't go and fight the battles to, to get all the treasure and the long journey to get the treasure. But she gets the treasure, folks. That is such a beautiful picture of us in Christ. Jesus went to the cross. He died the most horrendous death. And then he comes and he says, this is the treasure for you and I. These I am statements that we're making. These identity statements, folks. We didn't win the battle for these Jesus bloodied and, 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 and his body you know just beaten up he's the conqueror and we are more than conqueror we say yes we don't grab this treasure in arrogance and folks this, is, this has been, it's been you know it's actually been a check 
I haven't ministered on these kind of items in a long time. And you know, one of my things has been, I have seen an arrogance that comes in some people, like I am, and they walk around in a real swaggering kind of attitude. I am, I'm just super amazing, bro, you know? And it's like, how can this bloody battle that Jesus fought to us on the cross, and he, and, he, and, he, and he gives us to us freely by grace, how can you get puffed up about that? We should be in humility. We absolutely embrace it wholeheartedly, but not in arrogance, in humility and gratefulness. And thank you, Jesus. You were the conqueror, and we are more than conquerors. You passed this on to us, but not in arrogance. Amen? I love it when you say your I am statements, but let's not say them in arrogance. They're in faith and humility with gratefulness that we say these I am statements. Amen. Verse 38. So now I love with a confidence that there is nothing in the universe with a power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, Fallen angels, okay, that's demons, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Wow, Lord, His passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus. Folks, Lord, I just pray for every single one of us, Lord. Lord, that we would get this. That we would get this incredible, passionate love that you have for us. That there isn't a demon in hell, there isn't a circumstance in life, that could separate us from this love. And this love is our victory, Lord. This love is our victory. I pray that we would walk in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to conclude and I want us to close. Look, we did this last week as well. And I've got these, these I am statements on the screen. And I'm wanting to ask, can we just stand and we speak these I am statements? Remember I said last week, I want you to speak to your own soul. As you speak this, you are nailing insecurity. You are destroying all the the, the, the lies of the enemy. Let's stand together and let's make these declarations. I'll lead you in these declarations. Let's, Let's stand. Okay, on three, we'll start with God says, and then we'll read it through. We won't read the scripture references. We'll just read the truth that the scripture refers to. Okay, one, two, three. God says, I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from all condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Next slide. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, 
but of power, love, and self-control. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we recognize you are the conqueror. And because of you, we are more than conquerors. Lord, we embrace this treasure chest of truth. These treasure chests of identity statements. This is who we are. Lord, use these powerful truths, Lord, to destroy insecurity in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you folks. And we'll see you next week online, on Zoom, and invite a friend. Thank you so much, folks. God bless you. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.